Good morning, good morning, it's great to see your face. Good morning, good morning to you, Tim. Fun fact about me, I hate musicals. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> Actually, it's not entirely true, but I don't like, I don't, I don't gravitate towards them. Let's put it that way. Well, I want to, pers- you know what I gravitate towards, what? Ryan? Horror films. That's what we're doing here, Tim. That's right. We're going to talk about horror films. <laughs> Why, why, why? Because this is episode 106 of Dismembering Horror, (laughs) the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim McAslin. (laughs) Funny guy, Tim. You're just Tim, (laughs) Tim Aslin. We aren't two Micks here. We're a couple of Mick McYucksters, but only one Mick among us. Uh, that's right. We got Mr. McDuffie here, Mr. Aslan here for you. We talk about what worked, what did not work for us, anything else that we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film, a film that we've been wanting to see, that you told us we should see, that we found from some list that we've been wanting to revisit. We are just all around on the quest to have a good time and see the unseen via horror. (laughs) See the unseen. Hell yeah. (laughs) That should be our tagline. (laughs) That's my tagline, baby. Man, that's a good one. In life, in in, uh, mission, in dharma. See the unseen. And I had not seen... The film that is the subject <laughs> of today's episode. Uh, shocking. <laughs> Why? I mean... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you know me. I haven't seen... I really hadn't seen many of all of these um, Giallo films yeah. until this podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, an earlier Giallo film. This is actually... So I'll say the name. It's Black Sabbath from 1963. This is our third anthology film that we've watched and our second film directed by Mario Bava. Can you say the Italian title? No. Can you? I'll try. Here we go. I, not that I know Italian at all. I'm going to try. I tre volti delle piora. Perfect. Perfect. Bravo. 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 Bravissimo. Bravo. Uh, as I said, our second film directed by Mario Bava, the first was Planet of the Vampires, another mm. colorfully, aesthetically rich film. I like that one. And we'll be using those words a lot this episode. Anyways. <laughs> You're <if> right. <laughs> You're very right. Now that I think about it. <laughs> color, and a- <laughs> color and aesthetics, indeed. Um, yeah. Anything else to add before we continue further with Black Sabbath, Tim? In life? Uh, I mean, if you can pertain it to horror and our episodes and our show, any news to catch up on? Anything you'd like to amend? Um, not really. I, uh... <laughs> 
Yeah, here you go. <laughs> Let me think. Let me think of something fun no, to talk you, about. You don't have to. That's the yeah, pl- but I kind of want to. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, I think that we either have a ghost that haunts our parking garage, or a meth addict who gets down in there because they don't take stuff, but they move stuff around. Um, yeah, you know, you I see like people joking, what's the deal with ghosts only being from the 1800s or whatever? Maybe you do have a, like a 1980s meth addict ghost. Oh, it's both. I like that idea. Yeah, exactly. Well, we hope you, um, we hope you do some digging and, and, and bring in, call in some experts perhaps once you reach that point. I just want to get some cameras down there, to be honest. <laughs> And that too, that uh, whether whether it be a meth addict, a ghost, or both, that'll. Uh, I should get some of those. Uh, uh, you know, a uh, what's our what's our boy's name? Uh, Zach Bagans. Yeah, Zach Bagans special with the like multi spectrum camera, yep. full spectrum camera down there. <laughs> <laughs> right. And make anyway. your own, yeah, do that. Okay, well, that's a semi, semi horror related top, <laughs> uh, topic. Thanks. Well, okay, let's. Well, we got we got this this movie to talk about. That's what we're doing here. So let's do it. We're going to start with a trailer for from 1963, Black Sabbath. Do you believe in ghosts? This is the night when fear and horror walk hand in hand. This is Black Sabbath. Starring the incomparable Boris Karloff, the personable Mark Damon, and lush and lovely women. Even though one is from the netherworld, a vampire, a burdelac. Black Sabbath, as ancient as superstition, as modern as the telephone. How nice you look with that towel around you. You always did have a beautiful body. Beautiful. A body to drive someone crazy. Who are you? Who? Black Sabbath. The bare truth about the unbelievable, such as the brilliant beauty of a priceless jewel that holds within the body of a buzzing fly, a vengeful woman's murderous... It's funny, because I don't feel like the trailer did a very good job of laying out that it was an anthology, so, like, watching it, I'd just be like, wait, what? Okay, so it's like a telephone in modern day, (laughs) and it's not modern day, too? What is going on? Also, that trailer just completely shows you the, like, basically the main moments of each story. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, trailers, uh, they haven't changed, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Jesus, no kidding. Great, great. Well, that was it. Black Sabbath, the trailer. Now on to Black Sabbath, the movie. Tim, per our rating system, I would love to know, would you tell yourself to avoid Black Sabbath, stream Black Sabbath, rent Black Sabbath, or buy Black Sabbath? Um, well, Ryan... Let me tell you, to be perfectly honest, I didn't really enjoy this movie that much. So it's got a couple cool things and there's some visuals that I enjoyed. 
um, lo- some really sweet zoom ins, <laughs> which I'm always a fan of. But yeah, it's just a stream for me. Like I wouldn't avoid it, but it's just not. I just was like kind of whatever about it. <laughs> there we go. I was just kind of whatever about it. Well, I, I feel you. I feel you on this one, Tim. Man, I wish. I wish there was one of us who like was just really into these giallos, you know, to kind of like even it out. Yeah. But sorry, folks, just not the case here with us two. I am. Um, I was almost wanting to give it a rent it just for my whole like completionist, you know, side of me. But at the same time, like, no, if, if I'm looking at a sort of the, the pay money versus not paying money, stream it versus rent it. I, yeah, this is, you know, higher on the stream in that regard. Like I thought each subsequent story got better. Um, but like the last one I loved, I really loved the last yeah. one actually. But I yeah, mean, I mean th- the last one actually to me felt like it had, a real sort of foundation to the storytelling. Yeah. Whereas the other two was just kind of like loosey goosey. Right. It, but you know what? It's uh, when it comes down to, it, it's just a third of the movie. So <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, but you know, and as I already said, the words color and aesthetics, Hey man, I mean, I, I get why this has its, uh, uh, devotees for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine at the time, too, it was pretty cool. Uh, I mean, even though more so than... I see it more having a modern-day appeal than at the time, because now it's like they just don't make them like this anymore. You know, you can only True. do tributes and homages. Here's, here is it. This is it. Uh, great. Well, we like to, after our rating, try to give you a bit more of a summary here of what this was all about. <laughs> So uh, so what starts us off is Boris Karloff, uh, 1963 Boris Karloff. Gotta love him. I mean, hey, this is something else I, I love, too. I wish there was more. He, he sets us up. He's standing there in a, in a psychedelic space of nothingness. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we dramatically fly into him as we dramatically fly uh, into things and out of things in this movie a lot. And he sets us up saying, hey, maybe uh, in this movie theater, there's a ghost or a vampire next to us. <laughs> and then yeah. on with the show. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's kitschy and fun and weird. And pretty. Uh, oh, you're just talking about the opening thing? Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. And then, yeah, then we get our trio of films, each one in the tradition of a Seinfeld title with a the blank. So <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to start off with the telephone, Tim, can you tell us all about the telephone? Um, Jesus, sure. This lady comes home to her basement apartment and the phone rings and then nobody answers on the other line and then it rings again and nobody answers and then it rings again and somebody says i'm gonna kill you and then she gets freaked out and gets a friend over there and then the person who's gonna kill her comes over and kills the friend i mean it's like i don't feel like there's (laughs) even a story i mean okay here's the story some 
I get convict got out of prison and he's getting retribution for probably the person who put him away. I guess the, the it's a little vague. Right. And he comes back and she gets she gets the drop on him and kills him instead. The end. <laughs> I wonder if we should just read like the Wikipedia plot summaries for these. <laughs> I mean, it filled in a lot of blanks for me. She, I mean, but uh, the, the, there's the middle twist in that one too, where of course the friend uh, I, I, is the I was one unclear. making the calls. So, well, okay, we can talk about that later. But if if Wikipedia says that that's true, that that is actually what's happening. Uh, I disagree. That the woman was making the calls? Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean you can't? We see it happen. She, We see her putting on the voice. Putting, really? What? Yeah, you go to the bathroom for that part? She, We see it's a full reveal. The woman that comes over is the one making, is, is the, one making the phone calls. When do you see that? In the middle of the movie. All I, don't I know. see is her writing a note saying that she was the one doing you it. You must have not liked this film from the get go, Tim. That's. <laughs> yeah, man. When the fuck do you see her actually doing the voice? In the movie. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Before she comes over? Yes. Uh, maybe I fell asleep. <laughs> uh sorry for I saw a different version for not doing our due diligence here. We'll uh we'll double check now um our our sanity meter after My the version fact. was in Italian. Me too. With subtitles. Mine too. All right. I'm I like want to like look at it again. I don't I mean, I guess we'll I guess I mean, we'll... I could I I could actually. <laughs> All right, we'll pause for a sec, folks. Let's. We're really curious to get to the bottom of this. I don't buy it. And we're back, folks. That's crazy. I must have. I. Wow. It must have been when I got up and was filling the water bottle and was like seeing it sort of across the room. Can you believe it? Tim, yes, I can believe it. You know, I always, when we're watching these together, I always. I hate when you get up to go to the bathroom. I can't, I can't concentrate. I don't pause it. <laughs> yeah. The movie's happening, man. You missed the big, like, <laughs> you're talking about this, like, literally nothing happened. At least something happened. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I'm glad she died. Well, I can what tell you. I mean, okay. We aren't in what worked yet. We're still in the summary, man. So <laughs> well, now that we've got that established. Uh, how about the second one? <laughs> no, our our reliable summarizer here. Oh yeah, the second one. <laughs> second one. You got the Verdulac, which I guess is just a vampire, sort of. And uh Yeah, specifically a vampire that like comes back from the dead to torment its family. Family and okay, friends. Okay. Yeah, I mean this one's kinda cool. It's kinda old old worldy. Um I don't know. You've got Vlad. He's just some noble douche riding around town or riding around the country. And he, he happens upon a, <laughs> a headless corpse with a dagger in its back. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he he goes to see, you know, the closest closest residents nearby and and then falls in love with the 
one of the family members who Sedanka and but they're all freaked out because the Vertilac is out there and their father has gone to hunt the Vertilac and if he doesn't come home by midnight after five days then I guess he's one too <laughs> yeah <laughs> question mark it's sort of that's the implication and then it turns out to be true and he he kind of dismantles the family which is one by one which is pretty sweet there's some kid killing, uh, <laughs> you know, some son killing, some some what would she be? Uh, daughter-in-law killing. Yep. And then some sweet ass family, dead family coming back to get you. Some fun uh, uh, crypt uh, lurking. Ooh yeah, some f- some sweet cobwebs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that little pet cemetery aspect to mm-hmm. it too. Exactly with that kid coming back. All right, and then we wrap up this little trio with the drop of water. Yeah, this one's the most uh, uh, cautionary tale, sort of fably feeling one to me, where it's like the it's classic. What's, it's cohesive. Yeah. 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 What's the uh, the telltale heart? It's got that vibe. Yeah. Absolutely. Very poish. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> is she a nurse? Yeah. She's a nurse. She mm-hmm. gets called in the middle of the night to attend to the deceased, uh, w- a deceased woman. I I don't know. Her maid calls the nurse, and. Uh, She's enticed by a ring on the deceased woman's finger. The woman is a medium who does seances. Oh, right, right. Yeah, which is cool. And, uh, you know, her corpse is looking pretty shocking. Right. It's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, crazy cat lady, huge cavernous gothic, oh, yeah, gothic mansion. That with, place is awesome. Yeah, cats everywhere, dripping water appropriately, tarot cards <laughs> littering the tables. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So she steals the ring, which is a uh, probably not the best idea she's ever had. Well, before that, it's not just any corpse. There's something very disconcerting about this corpse, too. <laughs> Her face. <laughs> yeah. She's in a state of sort of, uh, God, what would you even call it? Her um, face is real shocked looking. It's, it's not, it's shocking. It's not shock. It's just like wide-eyed and grinning and it just seems, posi- ah! yeah, it seems possessed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that corpse is cool. And so she steals the ring, big mistake, goes home and then gets the very telltale heart sort of like, you know, the there's a fly that is, you know, kind of chasing her around and the dripping of water kind of driving her mad and then the corpse itself comes and gets her mm-hmm. and make and i guess she she chokes herself to death in in terror or whatever yeah it's like you know evil dead kind of homages it where you know ash yeah. feels like he's yeah. getting choked by the corpse but then cut away and it's his own hands choking Thanks. himself well she dies at her own slash the corpse's hands in that sense yeah, yeah. That one's good. Great. And then uh, we get a little wrap-up with Boris Karloff again, who, yeah, <laughs> who's, I should mention, uh, stars in the middle one. But we get this, like, self-aware breaking the fourth wall where he's back on his, like, uh, horse um, contraption. Like, you know, he's on a horse flying, uh, not flying, 
he's uh, <laughs> might as well be <laughs> yeah you know the sky's going behind him we see the italian crew like holding branches there's lights going through the kookaloris it's great yeah it's cool anyway that and, wraps and us up so yeah it's so i don't know what it is it's it's dorky in the best way <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're having fun <laughs> right right okay great okay well now after our summary we're gonna get into it here let's talk about try to accentuate the positive ready to talk about what worked i am all right what worked worked like a charm smith I mean, you could have already guessed it from the way I was talking about it, but the Boris Karloff intro, of course. Uh, yeah, I wish I wish it would have been throughout, but whatever. That was fine. It was great to get him there, and then um, and then I mean, like we've already said, not much to expound on, but like the aesthetics and the colors throughout. I um, they're 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 blasting. They're greens, reds, you know, colored gels everywhere. Man, it's so fucking pleasing. I don't know, purples and greens, oranges. They're and it's that they're changing too. It's it's. I just love the idea of this actively using color and making them actively change too on screen. You don't just light it, but you sort of orchestrate. Use lighting to orchestrate them. You know the happenings. I noticed they do a couple really cool things. I think they do it in every story where at a certain moment they have a character move through space from one lighting sort of setup into another one. So they move toward camera, for example. I think I could think of Frank in the first one and Boris Karloff in the second one do this very specifically where they – you know, they're a little set back in the frame. They're probably, you know, whatever. They're in a medium two shot, so to speak. And they're lit one way on one side of their face. And as they approach camera, they leave that lighting and enter a new one and it changes their face. And in the Boris Karloff one, it's it actually looks because of how close up they are it looks like his face morphs because of the the shadow changing on it and it, man it is fucking super cool in the verdelac yeah il verdelac where he's yeah there's some great close up shots of him in that That's one a, that is a man that is a genius genius device that you do not see anymore exactly um fuck I, it cracked, Get more of that in 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 horror. It cracked me up just the moment, just an example of like what they're doing with the colors here. Yeah, they have these elaborately orchestrated things like you just described with the lighting setup. And then there's this one shot. It just just gave me glee. Where we're in the Vertilac, where it must have been Boris Karloff. I forget. They're like walking through the crypt, and it's all I think lit green. I want to say. And it's a long tracking shot of him walking through all that green. But then just like for just a small, maybe like three foot diameter area of leaves, it's just red gel. It's just this little area lit red. And it's just great just to imagine like, yeah, you know, it's a little splotch of red there. Let's mix it up. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's so cool. I love that in that one too, when he he's wearing this sort of uh, 
what would you call that? It's like a feathered feather uh, or fur trimmed hood of his cloak or whatever. And it gives it, it almost gives him this kind of animally sort of vibe. And they shoot him in shadow a few times before. Like we just see his silhouette in darkness before we like see him. And it makes it look like he's got this kind of animal fur head. And then it reveals his actual face. And you're like, oh, shit. So like little things like that. I think that's the 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 biggest success of this movie is these little details in in the lighting and the framing of things and the just the set decoration and stuff like that i really think is top notch oh yeah and i mean if we're just sort of talking about the vertilac um the again the middle one with boris karloff as i guess the vertilac um the I mean, yeah, he, the shot that they bring back at the end, the little capstone of him on the horse, like <laughs> the the shot of that in context in the Vertilac, I think was literally my favorite part in the movie. Like, yeah, the, the list, the little moment that they captured the intensity of his eyes, horse looked real to me in that little glimpse. Like did not, yeah, did not even <laughs> occur to me that it wasn't a real horse at that moment. I mean, it all just looked so cool. I loved it. I love, I mean, I just live for that kind of thing. I love yeah. it. Um, and right after that shot too, there was a really neat set piece that wasn't a set. I mean, it, it must be, yeah, real location where it's like this, um, this uh, area of thin trees and the snow and they have a wide shot of it. It just looked gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then that went right into the crypt setting, which was just so I, classic. That crypt setting is amazing. Right? Like just kind of straight out of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, some a video game or something like that. Yeah, like Castlevania or something. <laughs> yeah. So neat. Um, and then also in the, yeah. I was going to say, I love the... Because it's clearly a set at a, at a certain point. We cut to this the 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 ruins uh, above ground, not the underground sort of crypt stuff, but like above ground, it's the ruins of this castle, and it's that's very much a set. But it feels so cool. They've got this clearly a very large psych surrounding the set, and it's just this beautiful uh, midnight blue wash. Mm. And like it's lit kind of from the bottom up. So it, it, it kind of the gradient gets darker as you go higher. And there's something just really pleasant and like beautiful about that. And then when we push in into them walking around that rubble, we get that stuff of like you're saying this, this these green washes everywhere with little highlights of other color. And man, it's just I don't you just don't see shit. The only people, only directors currently that I can think of that do stuff like this still are Nick Reffin and Panos. Like nobody else is using color in that way that I'm aware of. I'm yeah. Sure some somebody obviously is, but those two are the ones that stand out. Yeah. There's some of that in kind of um the early those the Stuart Gordon movies, right? I mean, that's true. That's true. But I mean, contemporarily, right now, nobody's, yeah, no, very few people are doing it. But you're right. Stuart Gordon did it a lot, and, and he, he did it in the purples and the greens, and you know, even then, it though that was just kind of in moments. Like the hospital doesn't look like that. That's in, right. Uh, you're right. From beyond, yep. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, no, just to do it consistently and throughout. Um, I guess just to wrap up, yeah, the the Vertilac, the second story. Um, I loved when uh, the, it was so creepy with the kid coming back as the 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 Vertilac. Like first him <laughs> in the distance calling for the mother. Oh, I'm, I'm cold. I'm cold. Whatever, dude. And then that it, shot of him up against the door. Yeah, exactly. Woo! So smart to not show his face and just yeah. have the back of this kid, you know, pounding at the door to get in. I honestly thought that was the ending of it, <laughs> and I would have been, been like, yeah, perfect ending because that was that was. Um, I don't know. That was the moment that I felt kind of riled up in and thought was mm-hmm. affecting. It was good. The actual horror moment, you know? Yeah, yeah. Though I will give credit. This, I mean, just that very last shot that wraps it up as the stinger was a lot of fun where you have like the, the three or the four of them all as the Vertilax looking through the window or whatever <laughs> with the, <Dude>. the lighting. <laughs> that was great. There's so much looking through windows in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, including we should jump back now to Il Telefono. The mm-hmm. telephone where, yeah, you do have uh, the eyes looking in through uh, the blinds at one point. Um, you got the red bat phone. That's always fun. Yeah. And I mean, I could even tell then that that was actually one thing, completely different viewing experience for you, apparently. But, I f- you know, I feel like immediately we kind of guess the twist of that. It's, it's the woman. She's uh, the woman who's the friend. As soon as she gets her on the phone, we're like, oh, it's going to be her. Um, and mm-hmm. then you even kind of recognize it's her eyes when she's looking through the blinds. But then <laughs> what you missed, I really appreciated that that kind of came early and soon and in the middle, not as a final twist of mm-hmm. uh, this friend being the uh, the one making the voice. Um, but, okay, yeah. so, all right, having said that, so then Frank just by coincidence shows up too? Okay, I'm just going to try to really breeze through the summary for the telephone just so we can know what the heck we're even talking about. <laughs> so thanks, thanks, whoever wrote this on Wikipedia. Rosie, a French call girl, returns to her basement apartment at night. She receives a series of strange phone calls. The caller eventually identifies himself as Frank, her former pimp who had recently escaped from prison. Oh, okay. Rosie is terrified. It was her testimony that sent Frank to prison. Rosie phones Mary for solace. The women have been estranged, but Rosie is certain that only Mary can help her. Mary agrees to come over that night. Seconds later, Frank calls again, promising that no matter what Rosie does, he will have his revenge. Rosie doesn't realize that Mary is impersonating Frank on the telephone. Mary arrives at Rosie's apartment and attempts to calm Rosie's nerves. Mary provides Rosie with a large knife for protection, before she goes to sleep as rosie sleeps when mary as rosie sleeps mary writes a confession explaining that she made the calls to force a reunion knowing that rosie would call on her for help while she is writing an intruder enters the apartment the intruder is frank who strangles mary the sound of their struggle awakens rosie and frank realizes he murders murdered the wrong woman frank approaches rosie's bed but she seizes her knife and stabs frank rosie drops the knife and breaks down in hysteria I disagree. <laughs> that that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with some of the details here. I feel like they're embellishing things that I don't think were in the film. Tim, you but aren't we can the talk best about it later. witness in this case. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> <laughs> I watched everything except for that moment. All right. All right. Anyway, I mean, I don't know what else to say. That was that was cool in it. Of course, again, you know, just colors 
throughout. It was cool. Um, shots throughout too, you know, even though it's a single setting, camera moving all around, fun stuff like that. So many sweeping moves. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, sweeps we t- and zooms. Mm. Should we uh, talk about the highlight one then? The third one? Yeah, yeah. The drop of water. This is the one. I love this one. Yeah, it's ridiculously good. We had, yeah, as we already said, like uh, the the giant old gothic mansion full of cats, tarot cards, dripping water, the maid who's, uh, you know, in on it. Not in on it, but... I don't know, just it's fun character to have there. She's um, all freaked out. Yeah. And then just the clear Twilight Zone-esque um, morality tale of it, where yep. she decides to steal a ring off the corpse and faces the repercussions. And then you got to love, too, that is just the perfect button ending where that comes back. Classic, classic horror short story ending where once she dies, the neighbor who discovered her body now took the ring off her finger. And so she's left staring with now our protagonist's corpse staring at Hell this yeah. neighbor. This one actually has scares in it, too. <laughs> oh, and they were scary. I mean, the highlight, which is if you type in the name of this film, like you just always see the still of the corpse. Yeah. With its eyes wide open. But I mean, just like looked fake, of course, but like in a way where it just kind of just works as a dead body too. you know, like where dead bodies don't look real. If you've seen one, um, anyway, completely effective. And then we get the full payoff of this bot, this corpse getting up and moving around. And is it there? Is it not? You know, it sort of works in both ways. it's, It's great. Yeah, it floats kind of through the room at times. Like Picks it comes the around cat. corners. It's <laughs> pets the cat, dude. It's cool. It's creepy as hell. She her performance is good too. The lead in that because she really like she sort of sells this like increased uh, progressive mania kind of vibe, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, the <laughs> the fucking the 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 fly uh, like her her swatting at the fly when she's back at home moment is really funny and good and and charming why did that uh, fly look just like classic giallo where it just looks like you know it looks fake but it looks cool yet like it's so hard for them to imagine looking at it being like yep that looks like a real fly you know it's so I funny i think it's not yeah it's like they're yeah, it's like an art design sort of choice. It's a little bit bigger than an actual fly would be, right? Yeah. Like if that man, that because for the first couple of times we see it, I thought it was a bee. Mm-hmm. It's sort it's, of a, elongated, bee sized, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that's just a choice to be like, this is a fucking massive fly. It's like no, an unnatural fly, and I love that, and I, it, it does look good. I agree. I like. Uh... It, it it's it's like if you're creating all these sets and doing all this lighting and being so deliberate in the design, why not? Yeah, carry it over to uh, how the insect looks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the dripping stuff is cool, although, well, I won't even say it. But uh, I like the dripping. Uh, let's see, I like the dustiness of. The- 
I don't know. Maybe this is just the the sets that they were on. But man, everything's so dusty. I mean, I have to imagine <laughs> the dust, just like the cobwebs in the fog, were all deliberate. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um. No. Yeah. The these weird... these were all sets. There wouldn't just be dust. <laughs> right. But the weird, like, almost waxy nature of the hands of the corpse oh yeah that really freaked me out like it just felt creepy and weird and they looked somewhere between like they were a younger person's hands but at the same time dead yeah yeah they're sort of frozen too yeah there there's some yeah i don't know that i i actually really appreciate that the gown that they put her in her death gown is white Mm mm-hmm um, so little things like that. I really like the moment when the, <laughs> when the lamp that's on kind of a pulley keeps like dropping down and almost burning the dress and it becomes like a little bit of a gag. Yeah. Uh, I like that. <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah. The set, the set of the, the Gothic house is fucking cool. Yeah. Like I, I would watch a whole movie there. Well, it just makes it all that much more special when it's condensed, you know, like we don't need it more though, you know, at the same time. Right. Yeah. And starts off great too, with just the classic kind of woken up in the middle of the stormy night, having to do something you really don't want to do. And then your destiny and fate awaits. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a, a smart little trope of, of like this seemingly unnecessary urgency that the maid has right right well i mean it usually because from the protagonist point of view it's like dude what is the fucking like excitement about like it's just we couldn't we do this in the morning what's what's the difference between now and eight hours later it's just i guess true she's already dead right and so there's this from the from the our point of view and from the protagonist point of view that that attitude is a setup, right? Well, it's, it's like, and I like that because then the 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 truth is the the maid. There is a reason for the maid to be like, "Let's go, like get this shit out of my face," which was because the, she's probably suffering from the same compulsion to to steal the ring, or just the haunt of that is she's you know resisting and wants to get away from it all. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of the classic in that almost like that Sunset Boulevard with the assistant way where it's like you have this assistant role. And I, this is what I love about it. Who's so who's this is why I was maybe was maybe trying to say earlier why the assistant's fun is they're kind of the still or they're like the key into this world, this reality that now is, you know, passed on with the woman who died, but that still exists in the servant or the maid mm, mm-hmm. and so in, in her paranoia and freaking out you know that's that's the world calling out to that's their world private world messed <laughs> yeah. up world that uh is now calling out to our protagonist and that's yeah uh, that's cool puts you know that makes sense that she, you know we we get her resistance in that sense i like too because she's the one who's like like the the first real well, I guess it's like the second sort of real scare moment. I guess the first one is when we see the corpse for the first time. But when uh, when the nurse actually takes the ring off, 
the hand and then drops it. And she kneels down. She's looking for it. And we get the classic hand fall off the bed, like on her head kind of thing. <laughs> and she screams. And the nerd, or sorry, the maid is like, what was that? What happened? You know, it's like, it's like the maid is kind of, I feel like the maid is, is in on, not in on it, but she knows what's up. Yeah. And, she, and she's, it's almost like a warning. Like, don't fuck with this. Let's just get in, get out and, and not get cursed so to speak and i like i mean maybe i'm putting that on it but like i like that vibe of you know does she know does she not know what's going on it's creepy and mysterious and whatever so and that scare is actually quite good yeah that we get the similar one later too of the hand like grabbing your shoulder neck from behind <laughs> yeah that was great <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you know what we forgot to mention in the Vertilac? The fucking when Boris Karloff is like, how can you know for sure that it was the Vertilac that got killed? That headless corpse, you can't know for sure. Except I have his head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they hang the fucking head outside. It's so good. <laughs> Boris Karloff was great in that one. And how they shoot him is great. You know, just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a highlight, too. Well. Those that's and that's it. They are all they're all you know that fills a ninety minute movie here. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely great. And then we have the little outro we already talked about. It was good fun. All right, <laughs> well yeah. let's let's move on, Tim. If you're uh, if you love these films, maybe uh, the section isn't for you. But I hope I hope it's fun <laughs> nonetheless. Here we go. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> I mean, Tim, do you know my my deal breaker? What can I say? Those first two films, I was mostly bored. The yep, first one, I felt the, dude, I was struggling in the second one. To not just close my eyes. I mean, I told you, I thought when the kid was pounding at the door that that was going to be the ending. And it was probably the halfway point, not even maybe that. Like, we still had the bulk of the movie, but it seemed like so much had happened already. Or not happened. Yeah, there's just a bunch of, I don't know, it just, it felt kind of, it didn't feel, the third one aside... The first two don't feel complete. They feel kind of like they need a little more fleshing out and a little more like work in terms of the story. And here's the thing. This is what I was going to say about the telephone. Assuming that Wikipedia, you know, like, fine. That's what the intention was. But like, I just don't buy it. I, I... for example, I it's just too thin to me that Frank just happens to show up, right? Like, I mean, I guess he has to, whatever. But the idea that he mistakes the friend for Rosie. Yeah. I, I totally disagree. He even says something where he says something like, always getting like always getting involved when you shouldn't and i took that to mean 
he's talking directly because he's like, oh, the friend came over and she shouldn't be here because this is going to cost her. I get how you can interpret it differently that he was saying that Rosie's always getting in where she doesn't belong because she's the one who put him away, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. It just feels thin. The whole the whole premise feels thin and it it doesn't it just doesn't seem to add up to much either. Like, so he comes at her and she stabs him and then it's over. It's like, I don't know. It just feels lame. Also the friend, like writing a note confessing. Why would she do that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't feel like they fleshed it out enough. Now, if she's forcing a reunion, apparently. Right. And that's fine. Well, mission accomplished. And then to what end? So she can confess that she forced reunion and then ruin the fact that she got this reunion that she wants. Like, that's what I mean. There's sort of a lack of kind of logic or like follow through in the thought of how this is going to play out. And it just feels kind of it feels actually kind of like a throwaway. I mean, yes, yes. It feels like a throwaway. But I wonder how much that is just sort of in the telling of the story versus what is happening, because I mean, I can't make just I was tuning out, totally missed it. But just in the filmmaking itself, it doesn't seem like it 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 tells those beats or it makes moments out of that beats that were the actual story in this Wikipedia summary. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it doesn't it just feels kind of incomplete to me and not not really like fully thought out or fully sort of like formed. And I mean, um, I guess same with then the Verdelac. Like, I, and that one I was kinda. pretty hyped up for just with the title. Like, when they say El Verdelac, and I'm like, ooh, that's creature, Verdelac. Cool. What is that? I like it. I'm into it. And then we have the, you know, the, the non modern day setting we already talked about. But then it just kind of, you know, and then even how it started was kind of, you know, promise, okay, you know, showing up at this, this sort of, uh, you know, in the middle of the night, this inn learning about their relations and then just kind of, it just plays out. Yeah. There, you know, a part of what really bothered me about that one is that you, I think the setup is really good, right? Like you have this sort of, you know, you have the, the outsider coming in and like, you know, just the discovery of that and then being, you know, confronted with this family's story once that happens i was like "Ooh, this is kind of cool right now we're we're getting into kind of a like almost like a night of the living dead vibe of we're trapped inside this house together we're freaked out and there's this looming threat of what's going to happen when dad comes back and it's cool because they're kind of is the vertilac just a legend is it not we have that sort of setup is fun And I feel like you could have played that out and have the ending be the the dad coming home and the discovery of whether or not he's okay. And you could, you know, you could then have things quickly go the way they went. But they insert this whole like love story bullshit that just is so forced and contrived and dumb like. They're in love suddenly after, uh, how long is he there? An hour? 
Like it's just it's just <laughs> dumb. And why did Boris was he a Vertilac all along? Why does he That's steal the kid? There is some very very like let's just not address this <laughs> stuff I, going again, on. I feel like maybe I just miss it in a subtitle here or there or maybe. something. I don't but know. I don't know, man. I, it's like at first he's look, he's clearly a fucking vampire when he comes back. He's been stabbed in the chest and he's walking around. He's yeah. he's a walking corpse. He's alive. Right. I kept note it kept seeming like we were supposed to think he was normal, but I kept looking at his chest and I was like, wait, did they explain he's that? He's completely gray, right? Like they've clearly made it out that he is dead and he is now a vampire or vertilac. But everybody in the room is kind of playing it out like, well, maybe he's not. It's like, dude, he is. I don't, what is the question here? And then they all go to sleep. It's like, I mean, granted, they, they do the have somebody stand watch, but it's a little too kind of it's like I said, it's got this kind of loosey goosey. Let's not worry too much about the details vibe to it. Yeah, because then, you know, when they do run off and the family all gets turned then then the the what's the logic here <laughs> uh, the 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 sister and matt damon <laughs> mark damon uh but the the vladimir is the character's name they go off and they you know i get it i guess but they they kind of too early for for people who are trying to run away from you know app actual supernatural horror they post up in a dungeon like come on guys <laughs> <laughs> it's cool but it's Wait, so- not very smart and and then the whole thing of like she goes back so then vlad goes back but then she's turned but she pretends not to be turned so that she can turn him it's all a little too contrived like it's convoluted not contrived to me it's just sort of like, I don't know. Speaking of which, could, can you explain to me why why did Boris Karloff take the kid and like run off in the middle of the night? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't because it's scary. I don't know. So he can turn him? Like, I don't know, dude. I, I It's just a little too, let's just do things and i I think we found this to be a bit true in the giallo films a lot of the time where it's just like don't worry so much about the details (laughs) (laughs) right let's just get on with it it's cool it's cool why does that seem like a italian sensibility i don't know it's it's kind of they spend all this time too that's here's why i could get behind the the brushing past things but they emphasize things that add up to nothing yeah and so that's where it becomes a problem to me it's like they spend all this time repeatedly saying five days has he been gone for five days is it past five days Ooh, he just said it was five days so is it five days it's like dude he's all we just look at him is the bigger question though not uh you know why why is it that way versus why does that why does that not work for us i think it doesn't work for us because 
Cause I know well, for, people, I mean, I mean, just to say, like, I know people, you yeah. know, who say you guys are crazy. These, you know, whatever it is, the beyond is the best movie ever, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's cool. Yeah, exactly. For me, I need things to add up to something. It doesn't need to add up necessarily to like hard and fast rules or to like specific logic, but it has to serve some sort of purpose. Otherwise, it fall it to me, it falls apart and then once something starts to fall apart, I'm I'm like, "Well, I'm out. I don't know what the fuck's going on." And so like when you have a thing, if you have a repeated refrain, so to speak, of this 5 days thing, make something of it, right? Like use it as a tool to either uh misdirect the audience or like have a poignant moment i think you could have done this thing where it's like if he shows up and he seems pretty pretty everything's okay like we don't see the hole in his chest we just see that he's really tired and there's this question mark of the ticking time bomb like of when the five day thing actually occurs was it at midnight wasn't it at midnight and we actually make that kind of a point of focus where the question isn't answered and so you use that time the ticking time bomb thing to reveal at a later moment where it's like and you can pull the rug out right you can have them all say Oh, you know, he can confirm. You'd be like, oh, well, I left it this time. So exactly five days later would have been an hour ago. So I'm cool. I'm cool, guys. Everything's cool. I'm fine. See, I'm fine. I'm alive. I'm talking to you. Right. That's a that's a dodge. And then they can somebody can come along, you know, in their sleep and wake up or whatever. I mean, I'm making this up as I go. But somebody jolts up in bed and goes, wait a minute. It was daylight savings that day. So (laughs) actually, it's been four days and 11 hours up to that point and it's they're in 30 huh? seconds it's going to be officially five days and they run downstairs and they you know it's it's past the five days now officially and he turns around and you see the hole in his chest and you go oh shit he's a vertilac you know right. like that serves the story you so yeah you know, stuff like that. But like when you emphasize a thing and then it just amounts to nothing, you just like give the answer of well, like whatever. I'm like, meh. What it amounts to is just feel. And, it, you know, right. That And that right. is a bigger thing. It is. And I get I get it. But I I mean, I guess I sensibility ask more of my, you know, storytelling. What's weird is my feel is awesome, but my, like feel and story like coming together and like really adding up to the all encompassing stuff is what I want. My sensibility is I don't really care about story, you know, at a certain point. Or it's not it's not that usually it is just about the feel and the experience more so. You know, and I I so I, I'm just trying to pick apart like why I don't know why that is for me why you know why does that not work in this case? I look at like one of my inher- you know favorite movies, Inherent Vice. It's kind of it's it's in that vein of being like about the feel and the characters, but that, it's, but I think but that's it's, it. It's, it's self. It's the, <laughs> it's the characters. Yeah, yeah. That, if you're going for just feel, your characters better fucking rock. And they better make 
some sense as characters. That might be it, is the lacking, not necessarily for me of the story thread, but the character threads and motivation. Like, then that has to be there, Because people do crazy shit all the time, right? But, like, if the character is well-defined, then you can kind of get away with whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Because you could go, well, yeah, of course, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is going to do that because he's nuts. Mm -hmm. Or even like, you know, Henry in Eraserhead, I think of that example, too, or just kind of David Lynch, you know, just I'm there for the experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's this interesting line. The animator does it well, right? Like, you know exactly who he is. And he's, he's a fucking nut. So, like, any weirdness or kind of, like, silliness or lack of logic or whatever, you're okay with because he's so well-defined as a as this fucking weirdo that you like him. Mm-hmm. In spite of it, you're like, well, yeah, I'm okay with all of this because he's, he's a whack job. <laughs> yeah. So, I think, that, I think that is it, right? Like, you can't play your hand as if you're telling the story and making it about the story. All of the characters in Vertilac are telling us what the story is. And none of them have any character. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. It, it, like, regardless of feel. Yeah. If all, if we were like, we really understood who each of these characters were and they weren't just these lame-ass tropes. I'm the no, I'm the dashing nobleman who gives a fuck right you're lame you know i um so so that's my take on it interesting yeah makes sense i um i just want to like these movies so bad (laughs) you know opera was great um phenomena like has like the memory of like i think you know this the good stuff has risen to the top um like i love the feel of that one, let's say, or the moments of that one. But, uh, but then when I think about it more, I just think of, Oh wait, but there were just these chunks of just nothing happening. Right. But phenomenon has two character things working for it. One, you know, uh, what's her name? Jennifer Connelly actually has some depth to her is phenomena. Sorry. Yes. And the fucking bad guy is an actual character. Mm-hmm. Like she has an arc and she has a misdirect and she has sort of she's a nut. And we go, <laughs> whoa, something's off about that chick. Like, what's her deal? Yeah. And that that's enough for us to kind of get carried through it. You know, the whole film maybe not doesn't add up to a great overall thing, but like those two character things are really helping us get through it yeah great well we have some more on on our list in the hat for this show tim (laughs) i know i put so many in there (laughs) well it's like two no i mean i and i I will rent them just because i want to see them whether they end up being a rent it or not uh time will tell yeah great well let's see if uh we have any things of note if you're good for that Anything else you want to uh, yeah, say your piece on? Yeah, was there anything else that pissed me off? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, n- no, I think it was all pretty solid. Uh, I think that they maybe didn't freak out enough when they got to the dungeon and found a skeletal body, like skeletal remains. 
Oh, in, I was uh, a little like, I had this thought, man, what if you what if you went into a place and there was just like a fucking skeleton there, like a legit dead person skeleton? Like, how would that make you feel? I mean, to would your... you be intrigued or would you be like? I I don't feel like I would want to run. Would you want to run away? Would you be freaked out? Like, would you feel scared or sick or what? I mean, to your point, uh, you were just, you know, went on about how the characters don't make sense or you don't follow what they're doing anyway. So I guess just another example of that. <laughs> yeah, I want to see it. I want to see them go, holy fuck. Great. There's a skeleton right there. <laughs> anyways great all right let's move on next section things of note things of note (laughs) this should be interesting i thought Mm. this was really fun that uh, mario bava's father eugenio a pioneer of Italian special effects created a number of the, as they put it in this article, these effectively haunting wax masks for the film. So the the look of that we loved so much, the famous corpse mask, that was cool. Mario's papa. I bet he did the the head of the Vertilac too. Yeah, that's cool. I <laughs> I kind of forgot to mention that when we see the the. The final ghost lady, whatever you want to call her, the the medium with the scary thing. I love that they just put the mask on a person and it's like it's like clearly a mask. Yeah, <laughs> it it wasn't bad and it wasn't good, but it was, I guess, noteworthy in that I, I kind of tickled me. Wait, what? I mean, what else would it be? I don't know. It's just like it. it just <laughs> it just seems so obvious. I think in the early scenes when it's just the corpse laying on the bed, it doesn't feel like a mask. It feels like a sculpture. Yeah. And then later when they actually have to have the a body physically moving, they just slap that mask on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> say, say rock on this chair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's it's true, folks, that from wikipedia the english heavy metal band black sabbath did indeed appropriate their name from the film they were originally known as earth and then the group wanted to change their name as another group had the same name the group saw a local cinema playing black sabbath and marveled that people paid money to be frightened all right all right that's cool And it's further influence, again, from Wikipedia. Directors Roger Avery and Quentin Tarantino were influenced by Black Sabbath's story structure for their original script for Pulp Fiction. The film was originally going to contain three short films directed by Avery, Tarantino, and another unknown director. Tarantino originally described this idea by stating that, quote, what Mario Bava did with the horror film in Black Sabbath, I was going to do with the crime film. Huh. And well, that's interesting. <laughs> things of note. That's what we're doing here. And then, do you have anything? Not really. Then I'll finish <laughs> it up. The last one I had, Black Sabbath was placed at number 73 on a timeout poll of the best horror films. <sighs> okay. I mean, to each his own. 
<laughs> Precisely. We we <laughs> we do not profess to be any final say. Merely, we are friends getting together, watching a horse film for film in that spirit. I've really come to dislike the list making thing. Like, I just had the thought, like, if I had to make a top hundred horror film list. And I like my stomach turned over. We had to do our top nine of our episode, our first hundred episodes. Yeah, but that's that's easy because it's a it's a uh, specific data set. Yeah. Right. Like we it we're only pulling from the things we watched. I can rate based on that. Like that's a metric that I can get behind. But like mm-hmm. all, it's like when somebody's like, what's your favorite movie? I'm like, I don't fucking know. What day is it? <laughs> you know like jesus uh the one thing that i had as a thing of note ah and i uh, i don't remember where i saw this but when i rented it i got worried that i was renting the wrong thing because i rented the italian version of it but i could tell that at least some of the actors were saying their lines in English. Like, Ditto. I could pick up on it and go, oh, shit, did I get the wrong one? Threw me off at first, so, yeah. Yeah, so, let's see. So, let's just say, it's a blah, blah, blah. it was released, you know, in Italian, blah, blah, blah. And then the American International Pictures released an English version, um, blah, blah, blah. They they're the ones who put the made the title Black Sabbath because it was originally wait what was it again it's uh the th- uh the three faces of fear is the actual title and then uh I don't know where I saw this but I saw that some it said something about in the telephone they made cuts to that one specifically that actually changed the story of it and made it more of a supernatural thing. Uh, which I don't think would have worked, but who knows? I would and have that, liked it to be supernatural. I remember yeah, thinking that. Yeah, um, and that and that also they changed you the sound the score. Let's see, I think that's right here. Uh, the original film, yeah, uh, it replaced Roberto Nicolosi's soundtrack from the original film with a soundtrack from Les Baxter. Hmm. And it was described as inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> the score? So, yeah, like the re-scoring for the English version. <laughs> um, I liked, actually, we didn't really mention this, but I did kind of dig the the music in this. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was cool. Had a, a interesting vibe for horror, especially in the telephone. So... I'm curious, this being our second Mario Bava film, what's what's now your, If I don't know if you've seen any of his other films, but just say these two films that we've watched, this and um, what was it called? Zomb- Vampires from Outer Space? What was it called? <laughs> I, I already said it. Planet of the Vampires. Planet of the Vampires. <laughs> uh, what's Vampires t- from Outer Space. <laughs> I mean, basically, what yeah. uh, what's your takeaway of of him, or how you how are you sorting him? Visually great. I mean, just clearly visually great. Whoever he's worked with, with the from anything from effects to set design to just like palette, all of the departments are are really crushing 
getting a, a, a cons- I think a cohesive artistic like vision on onto the the camera or into the camera or whatever. And so I really appreciate that. Uh, I think just like we were saying as a sensibility, like I'm not his, his storytelling per se is not really my thing. Um, it's a sensibility thing, but, uh, I like planet of the vampires more. There's an actual narrative that I could kind of hold on to. <laughs> I don't know. Great. Cool. Do we have more of him coming? I don't know. Do you know? I mean, we'll Black Sunday, I think, was his Is that main him one that put him on the scene. I, I forget if that's on our list. <laughs> hey, maybe we're about it, to pull it. it. It's uh, got to be. It's got to be on our list. Before we pull, though, we got to, if we're wrapping up this film here... We're going to do our recommendations. Is there anything yeah. you would like to recommend, Ed? Yes. I rented Near Dark. And although I they didn't have a Blu-ray, which kind of bummed me out, it was on a DVD. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not a perfect film by any stretch, but it's so cool. Like, I don't know what the fuck. Catherine Bigelow is no joke like mm-hmm. there's something about her whatever like her style is so good yeah uh there's there's definitely like draggy moments in it and in spite of that where i'm like wow the script probably really has like nothing going on in it you know she is able to turn those scenes into something and a lot of it's just like Actually, to our previous point, it's all character. Like fucking Bill Paxton in that movie is he is so magnetic and like (laughs) everybody's great in it. Every fucking buddy is good in it. It's so it's 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 a really, really fun movie. Uh, So you should watch that near dark, (laughs) near dark. I don't think it's in our hat. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's not. Um, so, great. My, yeah. my, recommend de- my recommendation is a horror film from this year, in fact. I was about to say last year, but it came out the end of January. I rented it right when it came out. Same video store. rented it on Blu-ray. I was so excited. Needs, needs more, more love. Shout it out. I loved Gretel and Hansel by... Uh, horror royalty Oz Perkins. Um, you haven't seen it yet, Tim? I have not. I, for some reason, thought it was, uh, I, I don't know. I, I got a in, inappropriate, uh, assumption that it was not good. Well, I mean, I love, it stuck with me. It's just one of those horror movies where it's just like, you know, after I see it, I really enjoyed it at the time, but then I just sort of keep thinking about it. It left its, well, that's cool. its, its spell on me. And um, I'd be down. We're going to do, I haven't seen his film uh, before it from 2018, Black Coat's Daughter. So I look forward to doing that. I've seen that. Whenever we do that. Um, but man, uh, yeah, Gretel and Hansel, I... Um, that was great. That was great. And we, I'd, I'd be down to cover it on the show cool. if, uh, if we want to. But in the meantime, it is here for you listening, for you, Tim, as a recommendation. Great. I can't wait. Well, 
my turn to pull, meaning I'll tell you when to stop to pull from the hat. All right, here we go. And for next week's film, now. Come on now. Oh, shit. It's one of your faves. All right. Thirst from South Korea. Great. 2009. Very cool. much look forward to seeing that one again. I haven't seen it since uh, since theaters. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Saw it at the Sunset Five. Nice. Great. All right, Timbo. Cool, dude. In the meantime, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com or wherever you found us. Tell a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that. Talk to me on Twitter, please. It's so fun. At dishorrorpod. At dishorrorpod, indeed. Well, that's it, folks. We don't want to leave you anymore. Go, uh, go, go make it a good one. Hope this helped with that. So, in closing, <laughs> thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Good Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>